Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Today we look at the possible future of payments expected to power the next economy. As commerce, technology and the role of banks evolves, so too will payments. So how could digital payments change as they navigate efficiency, security and compliance? A new report from Mastercard highlights three broad trends: the expansion of the definition of money, intelligent experiences that will bridge the virtual and physical worlds, and the push towards sustainability, changing not only how we deliver products but even come to value companies. Let's take a closer look at Mastercard's Future of Payments report with Sandeep Malhotra, Executive Vice President, Products and Innovation, Asia Pacific at Mastercard. Good morning, Sandeep. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us. First up, it's a, an intriguing theme. Talk to us about how Mastercard envisions money being reimagined. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. And uh, generally, we look at uh, you know money imagination, which is a pretty heavy word in three horizons. You know, mm-hmm. so not all talking about future, future, but what it means for the consumer for today. Yep. Today means. Next 12 months, consumer of tomorrow, which is the next 12 to 24 months, and consumer of the future. And the way we look at these three horizons are that today the consumer is living digital first, and we all saw that in during the COVID days, how the everything went digital and and touchless and contactless and and physicalless. So, because tomorrow's consumer is more around, you know, how do you create these unified experiences? You know, how do you combine the experiences and create more unification of those? And the third horizon, which is a more future horizon, which we don't know where it's going to be, but we are anticipating that, and it's all about interconnected living. So these are the three horizons, and I'll tell you actually what the imagination of money, you know, is in the three horizons. So you can relate to it as to what's today, what's tomorrow, and what's day after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And regardless of these horizons, you generally look at, you know, what is the consumer looking at, and they are actually they got these. Five foundational need states, and these are integration, immediacy, choice, personalization, and transparency. And and I'll give you a few examples as to what these means. So, what is consumer doing today? The consumer is basically paying with their digital device. It's not future; it's today. So, if if you haven't done digital, you're behind. You know, whether it's my customer who's a bank or or a fintech or or the end consumer, mm-hmm. they basically are paying with a digital device, which could be your phone, your watch. They're scanning a QR, they're tapping their phone on a terminal, and then making a payment. So that's today. Tomorrow, what we're trying to do is, you are the the device, and you are the authentication, meaning that you can actually pay with a smile or waving your hand. Wow. So that facial recognition or iris scan or a fingerprint scan, that's coming in the next 12 to 24 months. To be very frank, we actually announced uh, something which we'll touch on later mm. in the last few months where uh, we are enabling biometric payments and, 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 and creating pilots around that. So you can actually literally pay with a smile or, or waving your hand at a reader. And the, and the future is, which is paying with your digital presence. So some of it is being tried in Singapore and other places, but you can actually create tokenized version of your identity, meaning who you are and what you own can be tokenized and tokenization is a much more secure form secure digital form of your identity and that identity could be your passport it could be your driving license it could be your digital id such as a sync pass in singapore so so that's where it moves from paying from your digital devices 
to having your digital presences, you know, create an experience which is beyond just payment. So you can actually enter Singapore using a tokenized version of a passport. And if you provide more information about your itinerary, you get better benefits. A couple of other things I want to touch on is basically about immediacy. So immediacy is today around, you know, you can log into your banking app and then see personal financial management as to where you're spending, how you're saving. And that never used to be there, but it is a very good way of identifying your spend, purchase, your savings, which category you're spending on more. And then there is this open banking concept which is happening across the world where you can actually look at data from different financial sources, which means if you bank at bank A and also at bank B, you can actually bring them together and probably give it to a lender who will give you a mortgage at a at a better rate if you share that data. So you don't go through, you know, the paperwork of two weeks of underwriting and three weeks of, you know, printing statements and proving you who you are and you are the genuine person and you basically, you know, transact X and Y and Z and this is your balances at one stage. And then it takes beyond just financial institutions, beyond just banks to basically take information from the financial institutions and other sources such as your telco, it could be Singtel or Starhub, it could be a utility bill. So when you combine those together, you actually get a much more real-time feed from financial sources and non-financial sources to do better underwriting. And you can actually use that data for getting better rates. So, so that data is only intended for the purpose of mortgage. But if you provide more information such as where you work and how many how many family members you have and where you eat and all that, you can actually you know demand for more. But that data is not used for any other purpose beyond that purpose. So today, once they collect the data, it could actually go into sending you these marketing offers and all that. All right. And and okay. the world is moving towards you know literally today where you actually provide information about your ability to pay, where you have subscription services, your preferences, your history, to getting into you know a concept called data union and data marketplaces where you can actually tokenize and sell this data. They sell the data means get better better incentives or better premiums or better you know, insurance rates and, and things like that. So that's where the world is heading. There is one more phenomenon which is happening which is called transparency that you people are very keen to actually buy goods and services for a company who are basically interested in environmental and societal changes. So today, while you can get transparency in terms of that you get a digital receipt electronically in nature, if you buy like, you know, uh, a computer from Best Enki, you can get a digital receipt through email or or from the, their application. Tomorrow, you can also find out what was your carbon footprint of that purchase. So you traveled from Singapore to Bali, what was your carbon footprint? And you can offset that by planting trees. And then day after tomorrow, you actually get to know even before the purchase as to what that footprint would be. What is your own carbon footprint? So that's the transparency which is going to happen. So mm-hmm. a long answer basically we look at the consumer as to what is consumer doing today and what's relatable to them and what's happening in that space mm-hmm. payment and beyond what's tomorrow and what's day after tomorrow. And these are the five needs states we look at as to what, what could happen. And yes, mm-hmm. there's blockchain and other technologies and artificial intelligence will enable that. But these are the different use cases you would see basically down the line. Fantastic broad overview there. Lots of insights. Coming back to to the basic question of the future of money, for the investors who are listening into this show, I think they're keen to understand if MasterCard sees, uh, when we talk about the evolution of money, does that mean more types of assets can be tokenized? Or are we talking about new containers for value being created, new currencies? Yeah, so both. both. So, 
So obviously you can tokenize objects. So it used to be tokenizing, you know, literally your money or your instruments to just like I was saying, you can actually tokenize any object and that object could be your passport. It could be a facial expression. It could be a driving license. It could be basically your account receivable statement. So when right. you tokenize... But that's not creating value, right? That is a piece of data that's being replaced by something else, a token. That's a surrogate value, correct? Right. That's right. So what when you tokenize that and you, then you can add conditions to it and then put it into a container, the whole idea is that when account receivable is 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 basically received, you can actually put, um, you know, a value to it so that when the account value, uh, when the shipment is received, you can actually make a payment, basically. So you can actually apply conditions in the form of smart contract on a distributed ledger where actually that could be paid. Now, there are containers of other forms where, again, you you can take these tokenized devices mm-hmm. and put it into the wallets which exist today. So whether it's a Grab wallet, a Gojek wallet, another wallet, that wallets today are only keeping, you know, credentials, which are your payments, right. and actually providing just lifestyle management that you can actually order a cab, you can actually order food, you can, you know, buy a movie ticket, some allow you to buy an airline ticket or a train ticket, but they can allow you to store different instruments and it could be cards, it could be your digital identity such as saying pass mm-hmm. or driving life. It could be a house keys, it could be a hotel key. Actually, I have a wallet where actually I, when I check into a Hilton or a Hyatt, actually I don't get a physical card. I actually use my, my wallet to actually open that. Really? And then you can check your passwords and driver licenses and things like that. So so this universal, you know, kind of a wallet is, is how tomorrow's wallet would be. So tokenize it so nobody steals it and if they steal it, it has no value. And then you store different objects in that, some basically providing you a value when a condition is met and some is just convenience and better user experience. So what does all this mean for MasterCard? Are you aiming to become that universal wallet? No, our goal is not. So first of all, we we, we, we work with our customers and partners to, to do that function and we provide the technology to do that. And, and beyond that, basically, some of these things are real. So yes, we provide the tokenization abilities and, uh, and 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 work work on that with the customer and the whole idea is how do you do that in a safe and secure fashion what we think is happening is that technology could change but one thing which doesn't change is called trust So how do you do it in an interoperable fashion, global in nature, because you bring in scale and then you bring in that trust factor that consumer will use it and basically use it with confidence. And when things go wrong, we will protect the consumer, merchant or whosoever is the part of that ecosystem. So we bring in that trust, the safety, the security and the technology around that and things which are not real. What we're trying to do is we are trying to, you know, create spaces around that. And we call this a MasterCard Experience Center, which we recently revamped in Singapore. And the whole idea around that is we bring in some of many of these future trends to life yeah. by blending in digital and physical across screens. We have tactile tables, we have lab spaces and we create a very immersive and interactive experience for the visitor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in a while, but I, what I want to know is with the evolution of payments, can we expect credit cards in 10 years to still fulfill the same functions? So card is a manifestation of a need and the whole idea, the need is buy now, 
and pay later, right? Yep. So, so will that be manifested in the form of a physical credit card just the way it existed and it has existed for 60 years, done a great, great function. I think that need will be solved, whether it will be solved digitally by just tapping your phone or scanning or click or whatever the phenomena is and would card be physically be present? I think it will, but uh, you know, it could be manifested in a different form, which could be digital in nature. But there are other instruments where you can actually just do pay now. So a debit debit instrument is a facade literally to your bank account. So you can pay directly from your bank account or a debit card. So it does pay now. Then you have prepaid cards or gift cards where you actually pre pay before and use later. So there are different manifestations basically where the consumer could in some instances do buy now, pay later, which is buying electronic goods. You could actually buy groceries by buying and paying it now. You know, that's how people feel comfortable with their budget management. Mm-hmm. And in some of the cases where you want to do gifting and or, you know, buy even a digital asset like a cryptocurrency, you pay first and then, you know, you buy later. Uh, so so they will exist as far as the use cases are concerned. Will the manifestation of that a physical or digital? That's uh, up to uh, up to the world. So, yes, so, 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 so they will stay in a digital form, most likely. Physical manifestation would still exist just because uh, some of the emerging economies may not have uh, the infrastructure to support digital. I think it's fascinating in the context of all these changes and what the possible future of payments could look like, what this means for credit card providers like yourself. And you mentioned MasterCard and biometric payments. Can you share a little on how MasterCard is working to expand these sorts of payments and what do biometric payments mean for us here in Singapore? Yeah, so so first of all, you know, there are many transformative changes happening um, in the world of commerce uh, and more so in the last five years than in the last 50 years, to be very frank, you know, mm-hmm. payment changes very, very slowly. Okay. The payment experience, which used to be, you know, giving cash from one hand to another hand was the best experience. Then it brought in these other issues of, you know, you know, leakage and, 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 and robbery and things like that. So electronic forms existed. And but the basic premises was cash like payment. Uh, but the changes which have happened in commerce uh, require these, these uh, you know, payment experience to change in a rapid fashion too. And that's what we involved in. So if you think about, you know, what's happening in the future, and I'll come to the biometric in a bit, uh, you know, you could make payments using solar credits. So, so data is another form of payment, you know, and will become another form of payment. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the traditional asset like just cash, money, and credit and debit card. Mm. But basically, it could be data becomes a form of, of payment. So you make payments using solar credits you could enjoy a football match in a virtual reality stadium and pay for it and then you can scan a product to understand the ethics of its supply chain so in all these these activities there is either payments there is data there are other activities around that whether it's identity and you are who you are and that's where we get involved and what we're trying to do is we're trying to take many of these concepts together mm-hmm. and define the next way of payment which is biometric payments so so we announced this uh, late last year with NEC that we would pilot, you know, by paying through biometric. And people are very interested. About 76% of people are interested in biometric payments. They find it very safe and secure. And the whole idea is that you could pay by a smile or you could pay by waving your hand on a reader. And that would be very good, right? So which means you are the card or a payment instrument and you're paying for goods and services by just, you know, smiling at a terminal. Um what has to be done around that so it has been successfully tested and piloted and then the whole idea is how do we bring in more merchants into the ecosystem so you would see in the next uh, you know 12 to 24 months more and more merchants will adopt it 
it's a hard concept to explain it to people that you know uh, you're not taking a picture of somebody and storing it somewhere so the picture gets stolen you know mm-hmm. the biometric mm-hmm. happens uh, the whole idea is it actually uh, takes biometrics off your face and then keeps them as vectors getting slightly technical and if it gets stolen it has no meaning because you have to combine them together and uh, and, and that's what the advancement technology has happened so that's where we are on the forefront of you are the payment instrument so payment happens you know it's just moving money point a to point b it's a little bit boring actually but the whole idea is how do you make it safe secure and pretty cool where you can actually tap your phone tap your watch or just make you know a smiley face and the payment happens wow that would be that would be impressive Incredible. So I know you have a biometric checkout program launched in a pilot with Brazil fairly recently. So as more retailers come on board, I can imagine what this will mean for us consumers speeding through in-store checkouts. Right now, we have the experience of using our faces to unlock our phones, but soon we'll be able to do that, presumably at checkout counters. Just amazing. Um, broadly, can we talk a little bit about what, how you expect consumer experiences to change as the future of payments evolves? Yeah, so consumer experience would uh, just like, uh, you know, the commerce keeps on changing. The consumer experience would change, you know. So before COVID, mm-hmm. this tap-based payments were, were very popular and skilled only in a few markets. And as soon as COVID happened, nobody wanted to touch the terminal or touch anything like pin pad or whatever. So the tap transactions in-store increased to the point that more than three out of the four transactions in the Pacific are tap and you go to a store. So people love to tap. So that was a fundamental change which happened. So that was a big change which generally takes like 10 plus years to happen. Happened literally in two years. And then the, and then the world changed to click. You know, people wanted to buy groceries even online, which was never the case. You know, you would always go to a wet market or a store to buy your groceries. So now click-based, you know, grocery payments are a new phenomenon. So so we want to make sure when these things happen, they're secured and smart. And then, as I was saying, the future could be, you know, you could be making payments using solar credit. You could actually literally have these, you know, blockchain-based payments where you can actually programmatize the payments so that when a shipment is received and detected by a, a sensor, that's when the payment is released. So that's more futuristic. So that's where the consumer payments would change, whether it's click or tap or scan, and it used to be a dip of a card. So that change which has happened will go to the next heights of, you know, making payments by blinking an eye or paying to a solar credit or basically, you know, programmatize the payment so that it automatically payment happens when a condition is met. I thought it was really interesting you mentioned being able to pay with solar credits. And since our discussion is on the future of payments, we need to touch on ESG. And in, in the Signals MasterCard report, it touches on the point that ESG values will increasingly move from a debate in the boardroom to actual product design. Can you elaborate on ESG values becoming increasingly important to not just companies, but consumers as well, and what this could mean for how companies are even valued? Yeah, yeah, very good. So we are seeing a very large cohort of consumers indicating that they would like to buy from companies which align their values around a spectrum of these ESG issues. So people want to be related to companies who are doing good for the society, good for the environment and good for the well-being of others. And they want to know how their products are sourced and what is their environmental impact. Uh, whether it's, you know, groceries as to where they originated or shrimp where it originated in the in the ocean to the point of 
reaching to the grocery store or even RFID tags or even terminals or whatever the thing is. The whole idea is people want to buy goods and services from companies who have values. And that defines their valuation. You know, we've generally noticed that companies with high ESG performance ratings Mm -hmm. are more profitable, their earnings are less volatile, and people like to buy from them more. Now, what are we doing in this space? We also are looking into, you know, creating awareness for the consumer through our through our partners is that we provide a carbon calculator. Mm. It actually helps consumer understand the environmental impact of where they spend or, or, or a purchase as to what was the carbon footprint. Um, now, if you did that, then you want to feel, you know, obligated or felt compelled to basically offset that. So we provide an ability as a part of our priceless plan edition that we would, we would let you offset that by planting trees. So we made a commitment that uh, we will restore about 100 million trees globally by 2025. And we work with that with our customer, you know, and partners as to how do we do that. And then also we made a pledge basically that we would eliminate the first use PVC plastic card by 2028. So no more plastic, you know, just like we were talking about, maybe it goes digital or it goes into a biodegradable kind of a plastic. Uh, but the whole idea is take plastic out. So so we want to be working with the ESG company, tell consumer what their ESG footprint is and provide an ability for them to offset that either by donating trees and planting trees and uh, and, and and also taking the plastic from, uh, from the from the footprint of, of the credit and debit card. Just a fantastic discussion. Thank you so much for joining us with your insights, Sandeep. Thank you for having me. He's Sandeep Malhotra, Executive Vice President Products and Innovation Asia Pacific at MasterCard. The news is next. We've been looking at the future of payments. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.